Hey everybody, welcome to today's Take Heart. The other day we started a little mini-series looking at prayer and I want to carry that on today. Um, I need to say as a, as a caveat, as a disclaimer, I feel a bit like a hypocrite. I feel like such a beginner when it comes to prayer and I feel like, oh gosh, what do I know about prayer? But fortunately, it's not me teaching about prayer. <laughs> I have to remind myself of that. It's Jesus teaching us about prayer. And we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and uh, it can become for us this treasure trove. I think one of the issues with the Lord's Prayer for lots of us is we're just so familiar with it. It's a bit like, um, you know, if Granny has like an old painting in the corner of her, her room, it's just dusty and no one pays any attention to it until Granny dies. And then it gets appraised and it turns out it was actually this masterpiece worth 20 million quid. All the time we dismissed it, had it in the corner because we were so used to it, we'd forgotten about it. In the same way, the Lord's Prayer sits in the corner of our prayer lives, often gathering dust. And we, we're like, ah, yeah, I've seen that. I know what that is. I've examined it. And we don't realize that uh, the worth, the weight of its worth. So it begins with the words, our Father. And we talked about that the other day, that the, the Bible doesn't so much focus on prayer as the God that we're praying to. And that when we get that right, when we understand who it is we're approaching, we pray right. Because we know that we're not twisting the arm of a distant and reluctant God, but we're approaching a loving and compassionate Father. That seeing answers to our prayer and enjoying prayer does not depend on the strength of our prayers or on our ability, but on his tender kindness. And then the pattern of the Lord's Prayer is something that really challenges me. Because as with most things in my life, I tend to make them all about me and prayer can become all about me as well. And, uh, and yet what Jesus goes on to say is, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And so the pattern is obviously our Father, then your name, your kingdom, your will. And only after that does Jesus go on to say, give us forgive us, lead us, deliver us. Um, so we just take that as a, uh, for me, I take that as a challenge about, okay, let me just first look to you and lift my eyes. Hallowed be your name. When we pray that, we're praying that the name of God, and really by that we mean the character of God, would be glorified, who God is would be glorified in our world. I love the fact that I can pray that and then pretty quickly I can then answer that prayer, at least for myself. I can take some time, I don't have to do this, but I could take some time to just hallow the name of God, to enjoy and to worship and to glory in who God is. And his names are such a great way of doing that. Obviously Father, but then there's so many others, the faithful one, the good shepherd, the great I am, we can, we can enjoy and savour the name of God. And uh, there's a discipline, I think, to worship. Usually we think of relationships very much in terms of our feelings and our, our emotions, and of course those are a factor, but also relationships involve decisions and commitments. Um, my wife and I, uh, you know, we have a date night most weeks, and we put that in, and often when it comes around, we don't particularly feel like having a date night. We're stressed, we're tired, we've got four crazy boys, and it would be so much, so much easier in some way to just be like, oh, let's just not worry about it tonight. But 
we decide, no, we're gonna have a date night. We're gonna hang out together, we're gonna eat together, we're gonna enjoy each other's company. And the benefits of our making that decision is that our relationship grows in its health. In the same way, we can approach prayer and worship um, purely on the basis of our feelings. I'll pray when I feel like it. I'll worship when I feel like it. But there's a place for just praying, hallowed be your name, and deciding, I am going to hallow your name right now. I'm going to glorify you. One of the benefits of it is our relationship with God, I believe, becomes healthier. And also, it's really just, it's good for us. I mean, we do it for him, but it, the benefits for us are significant. Corrie ten Boom, I've quoted this before, but I just think it's brilliant. She says, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. Amen to that, Corrie. And then she goes on to say, if you look at God, you'll be at rest. It's a way of lifting our eyes to him. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In the Sermon on the Mount, there are two pictures of God, and this teaching comes from Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there are two pictures of God. He's a father and he's a king. Our father has a kingdom, and he is in the business of advancing his kingdom. And elsewhere in the same sermon, Jesus says, seek first um, the, his kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be given to you as well. One of the things that I think is really helpful to ponder is the fact that God has a prayer list. He has things that are his will that he wants to advance. Here's a few of them from the scripture. It is his will that people come to faith. It's his will, it's his desire that justice reign in our world. It's his will that we are healed spiritually but also emotionally and physically of our brokenness. We see that that is God's desire in the Bible. And, um, and so when I'm reminding myself of that, these are the things that are God's, when I'm praying for God's kingdom to advance, that's the sort of stuff that I'm praying. I know that's his will. So what we can then do with that is we can say, okay, this is your will, for example, to see people come to faith. How can I, how can I pray that in a specific way? It's been said that general prayers get general answers, whereas specific prayers get specific answers. And I found that to be such a helpful principle when it comes to praying. It's not a bad thing to pray, bless the whole world, and would everybody become a Christian? But actually, um, to quote someone else, Arthur Wallace, he once said, for intercession to be effective, it has to be selective. And I think one of the things that that is getting at is who is the particular group of people that we are called to pray for, that they would come to faith. And I know for me, one of my, um, one of the things I've just realized, even as I've been doing this Take Heart, has been, um, I can tend to dismiss or discount certain people because I think they're so far away from Jesus, there's almost no point praying for them. I'll pray for the people that are a little bit closer. And I can do that with certain situations as well where I'm praying, I'm like, that's never going to change. There's never going to be, there's no way that that can be resolved, so I'm not even going to bother. I look at situations, is what I've realised, I think it's impossible, and so I don't pray for them. What have I missed there? I've missed the fact that, Andy, you moron, like if there's ever a time to lift somebody to God in prayer, it's when it is humanly impossible for them ever to come to faith. Now, it always needs God's intervention. 
but it's like, look for the people who you think there's no way, there is absolutely no way I can ever see that happening. I've tried sharing Jesus with them. I've been praying them for years. It's never, ever going to happen. Those are exactly the people to bring to him in prayer. The situations that are, are impossible, that are beyond our strength, are exactly the ones where we need to cry out to God for his strength. And we cry out to God for any situation. But let's never discount one and never discount a person. Corrie ten Boom, again to quote her, she knew so much about this kind of stuff. She says this, The wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specialises in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. When we pray, we go into our room, we close the door, and we sit with the creator of heaven and earth, and we say, hey, Dad. Also, what we do when we pray is we close the door on the realm where we cannot do stuff and we come to our father who rules and reigns supreme and in his realm everything is possible and we begin to lift these impossibles to him one of the things that blows my mind when i think about this stuff is that god uses our prayers to change the world your kingdom come your will be done